You're listening to the Asking for a Friend podcast, an elder-led ministry of Believer's Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and knowledge of God's people. I'm Pastor Jason Rowland and one of the elders of Believer's Baptist Church, and I'm joined this morning by another one of our elders, Philip Castleton. We want to thank you for listening in, whomever you may be and wherever you may be. May the Lord bless this podcast to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth. And we're recording this on February the 23rd, Philip, and this is the year 2021. We've just come through a year in which death was very prominent in many of our acquaintances and even in our own congregation at Believer's Baptist Church. Um, the, the feel and the reality of death was everywhere because of the coronavirus pandemic. And so what we wanted to do this morning is ask the question, what will happen when I die? What will happen when I die? And it's a good question, I think, in light of um, the things that we've experienced and the things that we read about and um, the things that are so prevalent in terms of um, the pandemic. And even yet, um, people are still being uh, diagnosed with that, put in the hospital, and then death comes. One of our own members um, just lost her brother, and we found that out even yesterday morning. So let's think about this question, what happens when we die? Now, when we think about that, I just did a funeral Sunday afternoon, and the the thing that we realize, first of all, is death does not bring an end to our existence. So if you and I were sitting at this table as we are, and we walked out the door of this room, and we were exiting for a while, someone might say that you and I have gone out of existence, but it wouldn't be true. We have just stepped from this location into another location. And one of the things that I think is common in our society is to think that death brings about an existence that will always be heavenward or blissful sure and that that would be the thing that we need to clarify first right right when you ask what 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 happens when we die well there's um there's two possible answers right I mean, right there's only there's only, only two. two possible answers and um and it's it's funny because you, you're talking about death being often uh pictured as as having one possibility, you know, one option. Right. I was listening to something just earlier this week where R.C. Sproul and R.C. Sproul Jr., okay, were sitting and they were talking on a panel. And um, and I guess R.C. had come home and he was part of evangelism explosion and they used to ask a diagnostic question, you know, if you were to stand before God today, right? Right. On what, what would you, on what basis do you think, you know, he would let you in? Right. And so it said that RC, he went home and, and he looks at his son, who's like six. And he says, he asked him this diagnostic question. Right. And he says, so son, you know, he called him Craig, RC, it's you know, Robert Craig. Craig, he says, if you, uh, if you were to die today, you were to stand before God, on what basis, you know, would you say, let me into heaven? And he said, I looked at my dad 
with a look I've probably never looked at him before and never looked at him since. Like, you have lost your mind. What is wrong with you? Are you some kind of, you know, um, blithering idiot? I'm dead. I stand before God because I'm dead. And that's where dead people go. Dead people stand in heaven. <laughs> right? Right. And that's exactly what we think. Right. Justification by death. Right. People die, and therefore... Heaven is the the abode of the dead. Right. I made a reference, in fact, in this funeral that we just that I just did on Sunday afternoon, and said just because you are dead does it not mean you go to heaven? Right. So the two places then are definitely by by what the scripture teaches, heaven or hell. Yeah. No intermediate state. No. No soul sleep, no purgatory. Right. Heaven, hell. That's the two choices. So let's think about answering the question as best we can. I've got some thoughts here, and and, uh, you interact with these thoughts with me, okay? Okay. So first, believers, we're talking about believers, will be taken into the presence of Christ. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Sure. Uh, uh, Paul uh, writes to the Corinthians. He he says in uh, the letter to the Philippians that for him to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And so he expects to be in the presence of the Lord where Jesus is. Acts one two tells us that. Acts three twenty one. First Thessalonians one ten. 1 Thessalonians 4.16, those verses affirm to us from the Word of God that that is where Christ is, and that's just a small sample. There are other, sure. many other texts that would tell us that. So Jesus even said, remember, to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise, in Luke chapter 23, verse 43. Paul even spoke about being ushered into the presence of Christ um, at the point of his death, and as I said in Philippians one uh, twenty one, he said, for me to live in, as Christ, but to die as gain. But in verse 23 of that same letter, he said that he was hard-pressed to decide between the two. That is, whether he wanted to stay with the Philippians or whether he wanted to depart and be with Christ. That was far better, verse 24 says, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. My point is, again, he expected to be in the presence of Christ. So the first thing that I think that you and I can say with confidence from the Scripture is that the believer goes into the presence of Christ. Yeah, we even have some Old Testament, well, um, uh, saints that we see in the New Testament exposed that way. We have the Mount of Transfiguration, right? Yes, right. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, Christ's um, glory is exposed. But who who shows up with him there? Yeah. Right? Moses and Moses, Elijah, right? Right. And, and the interesting thing about that is um, where else would they have been? Right. But with God, right? Um, their bodies in the grave. Right. But their spirit with God. Um, this is... Uh, but speaking of that, speaking of that, then let's let's be clear because this is the hope of the Christian that we when we die, we our body will be resurrected with a glorified body that is fit for heaven. Yes, in fact, we don't our goal is not to be unclothed as Paul would say, but to be further clothed. It's right. not that we want to put off 
flesh. Flesh, we're not making a distinction, an unhealthy, unbiblical distinction between the spirit and the flesh. What we are saying is that uh, that for believers who die in uh, before the second coming of Christ, uh, they will be a disembodied spirit for a time. Yes. Right? To be in the presence of the Lord, then, is to be a disembodied spirit in the presence of the Lord for a believer. Until Until. the the revealing of Christ, at which case we get resurrected bodies. Right, right. right. And again, the, the, um, the great hope of Scripture in the New Testament is this idea of the resurrected body. Yes. Yeah. And to go even further as you brought in the Old Testament, remember that we're told that we're going to sit at the table with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, with those men of the Old Testament, the uh, heroes and the believers of uh, the Old Testament. And so, again, they are in God's presence. So the believer then goes into the presence of Christ in heaven. Second, heaven is a place of great glory. And it is being in that context of glory and splendor and majesty that we have never known. Maybe the best way to put it is in perfection without sin. So death brings an end to the relationship that you and I have with sin. Well, that's exactly what uh, Peter says. That's what Paul says. Um, right. That, uh, in fact, Paul says specifically in, I think it's in Romans 6, um, that when Christ died, his relationship to sin ended. Not that he was a sinner, but he, what he did for us, he still had a relationship to sin. But when he died, he died once to sin. And then ultimately, he, he, he transfers that over us. And when we die, our relationship, therefore, to sin ends too. Our relationship to sin is different than Christ's. But nevertheless, we have one. And when we die, our relationship to sin ends. And therefore, we know a disembodied perfection and then later a, a, a reinstated perfect body. Right. And so that's why I think Paul uses that word, the, the terminology. He says that he would prefer to be absent from the body because it is to be at home and I quoted the New American Standard version of it to right. be present, but to be at home with the Lord. So there's a sense that we're finally home. Mm-hmm. There, there's this sense that we are no longer being uh, chased, pursued, um, having to fight against the flesh and sin nature. And we are now in home where there's rest in who God is and what he's accomplished for us. And it's in a this glorious state of perfection. Yeah. And so that is secondly what we need to understand about the believer who dies. Mm-hmm. I think thirdly, we we've already mentioned this, but this is the the, the idea of right now um, we are in these bodies with their weaknesses and their flaws, and with their illnesses, and then death. But there will be a day when we will be given bodies that are like the body of Christ after the resurrection. Yes. Um, I don't know that all that that means, but I know that it, it will be better than this body that I'm currently in. And my fruit, my spirit will be um, released from this body, and yet my spirit will be clothed with a new 
body, a better body. Mm-hmm. And that body will be, of course, um, used um, uh, to give glory to God. Yeah. I don't think that we will sit around in heaven on a cloud strumming a harp. I, I think there will be opportunity for work and um, gifting, and there will be uh, learning and maturing and, and, and opportunity to experience the fullness of all that God intends for those who believe. Right. And so that would be a third reality that I think it is important to mention for the believer is that we go into this eternal state and forever we will be in our resurrected body, the new body fit for heaven. I think fourth, if we think about what happens when we die, um, we are immediately rejoined, um, have a reunion with um, those who are believers in our immediate acquaintances and family who are there before us. Yeah, I think, and I don't know. There seems to be some indication of recognition. Yeah, heaven. I think the the struggle with this for me, I, I know that it's true. We're going to see our loved ones and all right. that stuff. I think that sometimes, man, this seems to get all the emphasis. Right. You know, you go to a funeral, and you know, and the first thing they, really, the thing they talk about the most is. You know, he's getting to see his wife who went on before, or he's been joined with a grandchild who who died before. I mean, this is really the emphasis that is that is placed so much. And though I, I think that's certainly a reality, a biblical reality, I don't think that's the emphasis Scripture gives. Right. What we, well, I think what we see mostly is like you were talking about a second ago, we're going to have resurrected bodies who rightly reflect the glory of God. Right. That's an emphasis, right? right. We, we long to be further clothed because we, we can then rightly understand, rightly reflect, rightly enjoy, rightly um, uh, accomplish all that God has intended for us to do without the taint of sin and yes. so forth. And we get to see God in his glory. That is heaven. Right. Heaven is the, the thing that is greatest and grandest and, and, and best and, and meant to fulfill us perfectly on that day will be all we want and all we need. But we do get to see friends and family and loved ones. Right. Unfortunately, though, um, that seems to be the thing that we put most of the emphasis on. Right. And that's not the biblical emphasis. Right. Because the biblical emphasis is to be in the presence of Christ. Yes. And, and as you said, we are fully uh, in the presence of who God is. We are known fully. We are there without any tarnish of sin. Um, and we are fit to reflect God's glory, to praise him to serve him to worship him yeah and um we we tend to because of our sin nature um want to limit um worship when we are gathered together you know we we want to put time constraints on it Mm -hmm. and we get weary of it but when we are in the presence of the lord and there's no taint of sin no self. There's no self. Yeah. 
worship will not be dull and boring. We will not wish that when is this going to be over so we can uh, leave and go to the nearest restaurant. Yeah, well, imagine this. I mean, even in like Isaiah 6, right, he gets a glimpse into heaven, mm. and there's angels that are created for worship, and they sing back and forth to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And this has been going on since the angels were created. Whenever that was, right? Right. And so we've, and and do you think they tire of it? I think that they don't. I think this is exactly what they were created to do. And the fall has has, has marred our, uh, not only our uh, capacity to, to worship, but our understanding of our own, um, our purpose in creation, what we were created for. And on that day, when we no longer have this this fleshly self absorbed body this this one that has always so much ego attached to it mm-hmm. um, on that day we won't grow tired of worship because it'll we will be fulfilling the exact purpose we were created for right for eternity right and over and over singing worthy redemption song we're singing you know the the song of of the angels right that's an amazing thing it is so we're saying that the believer then goes into the presence of christ at the point of death that heaven is this glorious place in which there will be no sin um we're saying that one of the things that will um finally have our hope relieved is that we will have a resurrected body um in time in god's purpose and that we will be re- reunited with friends, loved ones, and there will be a, a sense of reunion. And f- finally, I think that one of the things that we n- want to talk about in the podcast just briefly is that there's still a mystery about death for the believer. Sure. Uh, that doesn't mean I don't think that we fear it. Uh, we we shouldn't fear it. We, in fact, we just did a, pa- a podcast last month on this, didn't yeah. we? Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, we shouldn't fear it at all. I actually was sitting here even before the, the we started recording this morning, and I was thinking about my own death. You know, I was thinking about it, and I was thinking, there's nothing here. I mean, I love my wife. I love my children. I love my church family. I, there's not anything here I don't love in that sense, but there's nothing here that I would gladly give at, at this point. I mean, you know, as I'm growing in Christ and understanding what's to be gained, right? Right. That I wouldn't gladly say you can have today. And what is the fear? I mean, our 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 heart stops beating, right? right. And immediately we're with we're with God, right? All of the things that uh, that daily frustrate me. All the things that um, make me long <laughs> for something better, mm-hmm. right? Right. All those things will be gone, and that something better will be a reality. Right. So why long? Why why be af- afraid? Why be fearful of death? The the very thing that could usher me into uh, the, the eternal perfection. Right. Yeah. So let's let's go from there then uh, with. Uh, taking courage, um, because many times in Scripture we are told as believers to fear not. And so we can take courage even in the moment of death. And when the heart monitor flatlines and there's not any more breath within us, um, we will still exist and 
it will be something that we can know that God will go with us through. And there will be there will there will be just a moment of transfer. I don't know how to explain it or put it into words, but I know it's not going to be without God's presence. Sure. Because we know it now. We know God's presence. And in death, we will know his presence. And then we are immediately in the uh, immediate um, presentation presentation of him face to face. You know, you're talking about this and it's making me think, you know, in the Mount of Transfiguration, Christ's glory was veiled in some, to some extent by his flesh. Yes. There's a, there's a reality I think that you're talking about here where right now God's glory is veiled by our own flesh. Mm-hmm. And on that day, our sinful flesh is removed, and God's glory is revealed. Right. Uh, does that make sense? Yes. Uh, the, you know, His glory was revealed by His own flesh, but in a real sense, His glory is revealed by ours as well. Right. And so in that moment, our flesh is removed, the curtains pulled back, and what we could only get um, shadows and glimpses of before, we'll now see in reality. Right. A, de- a, a glass darkly. Yes. yes. And, yeah. And can, can I, I can't wait. Yeah. I really, I really am excited about that day. I know. I, I learned a hard lesson because there were several times that I had made some comments um, along the lines of what you just made just a moment ago. Um, what is there here yeah. that is better than Christ? And and I. I, I don't say that that with ego, and I know you did not say that with trying to make ourselves as super saints or no, present no, ourselves. No, no, no. I, I, I say that with a reality of the ongoing nature of sin that that dwells in my flesh. Yes, and my own hatred of it, and I can't seem to shake it. Yes, it's it's that reality that yeah. makes me say I want to go. Yes, not because I've accomplished something here. It's because I can't shake. What remains in my flesh here? Right, absolutely, brother. And so I've made those kind of comments, and um, it has um, it has hurt my wife's feelings oh. um, because of um, you know. Then if there's not anything here, then then what are you saying about me? Is what she's saying, and I have to be careful, yeah. and, I, and I get it. And I, that's why I qualified my statement yeah. up front by right. saying it's not that I don't love my wife. Right. I enjoy every day with my wife. She's right. my best friend. Yes. I love my children. I love my church family. I long to be here whenever I can to be around these people that God has placed in my life. All of those things are wonderful blessings. I enjoy them. Right. That doesn't taint, though, right. you know, my longing. It doesn't, uh, that doesn't uh, appease, you know, if you will, the longing to be removed from my my flesh. That's right. And that's what I'm saying too. And I, I uh, look f- forward to being in the presence of Christ. Yes. Well, if that is true for the believer, these things that we've just been talking about, let's think about the other side of that coin because we said that there are two places. Yeah. And to then die as an unbeliever is then to go out of the presence of God's Common grace. Yes. That, and I'm glad you said that because yeah. we often say things like, well, you know, you're you're separated from God forever. Actually, you're separated from God's goodness and his kindness yes. and his benevolence forever. Yes. But you're not separated from his wrath. Right. You are in the presence of God in the state of wrath forever. Right. And there's, so it's not, in, in, you know, if you can't escape God. 
Right. Period. Right. And in, in that place of wrath, it's an eternal wrath. Mm-hmm. And it is eternal remorse. It's eternal um, punishment and fire. These are words that we see in Scripture that even Jesus said. Uh-huh. It's eternal weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so there is a um, separation from the common goodness of God because all people experience God's common grace. Sure. It rains on the just and the unjust. The sun shines on the just and the unjust. And so then to die as an unbeliever is to be excluded from God's mercy, God's grace, God's goodness, but it's to always be forever under God's wrath, as you were saying. And one of the examples that we have in Scripture scripture, um, is the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Yeah. And how the rich man dies and goes into the eternal flame and is in great torment. And then he then is excluded from the blessings and the privileges and the joys of heaven. And that's what we see in um, the book of Luke in chapter 16. So all that to say that if you are without Christ, um, you must repent and believe. And there's a parallel I'll say this, and you know we can move on. But there's a parallel as well. Um, there's a disembodied state. So the, the person who dies, their body goes into the into the grave, and yet their spirit goes into torment. Right. right? But it. But one day there'll be a resurrection of their bodies as well. Absolutely. And they will be fitted with a body not that'll reflect the glory of God like the resurrected believer, but they'll they'll be fitted with a body that'll feel every lick of the flames. Right. One that won't be consumed, but will always be being consumed. Yes. And um, and we need to remember that. It's not as if um, there is no physical reality for, um, it, that it's only a spiritual reality. It's both. Right. One day there's a resurrection of the dead and the living, if you will, the spiritually alive and the spiritually dead. And those who are going, who are outside of the presence of God's goodness and, and his blessing and his salvific grace will know, will be resurrected with a body that will feel every, every lick of every flame. And yeah, and that's true. And um, Hollywood and um, our culture of um, purchase and uh, selling has created uh, images of Satan and even of hell that are benign, mm-hmm. that that have no threat, and uh, that that hell will be some kind of place of um, party where we're all going to gather. Well, and, one of the misunderstandings is that Satan is going to be the one dishing out the punishment. Right. Satan. Satan's not dishing out the punishment. Satan himself will be bound in hell. Right. God is the one dishing out the punishment. When you sin, you don't violate Satan. Right. You violate God. Right. That's who you've offended. Yes. And and, and in fact, Jesus says that um, hell was created for Satan and his demons. That's right. Um, however, there are those who would never repent, never come to faith in Christ. And that is the command that we see in Scripture, that all men everywhere must repent and believe in Christ. Yes. And when you do truly and sincerely repent and believe in Christ, then you can have the security and the assurance of being in the presence of God for eternity. That's right. 
Well, we hope that this um, particular podcast has been helpful to you and an encouragement. We certainly appreciate any ratings or reviews or any shares, any way that you can uh, um, be uh, passing on the, the podcast and, and perhaps a good old-fashioned uh, word of mouth would be the way that uh, you can uh, spread the word if it's helpful and a blessing to you. And that is always our prayer. So thank you for listening to the Asking for a Friend podcast. Amen. Amen.